you guessed it. Shenanigans ensue. Co-host one reports a co-host two. What's the name of the show? Shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jane, and welcome to Shenanigans ensue. A podcast where I really think this could be the one. The song or the music teacher? (laughs) Each episode, we'll watch a rom-com and discuss its merits as a member of the rom-com genre. We will cover well-worn classics, hidden gems, and everything in between. We'll give you our unsolicited opinion on every trope, caper, and flim-flam the film used or maybe abused. And of course... The, the shenanigans. shenanigans! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, everybody, this episode is very special, and the reason why is because it's Jane's birthday! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday! Aw, thank you. <laughs> And as such, we are having a very special Christmas in July episode. Yes! So it's worked out in this way that we decided we'd each get birthday episodes. And last year, Jasmine, of course, decided she wanted to kick off the holiday content. Yay! And when Jazz asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday, I said, do you know what? I just want to sneak in another holiday movie and I want to do a Christmas in July. And I was like, hell yes. Yes. We haven't had a holiday movie in so long. (laughs) A whole six months. Let's go. (laughs) A very merry unbirthday, but holiday. Yes. I didn't even think about this, but this movie has a... Christmas birthday wish. So this is my birthday Christmas wish. Yes. And that is a Christmas movie. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I love this. We're getting close to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. We are coming back around to a holiday movie because we love a holiday movie yes. and that's kind of what prompted this whole damn thing. Exactly. And so this holiday movie that we'll be doing for our Christmas in July is Christmas with you. Christmas with who? With you. I don't know. <laughs> I committed. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, and did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one, if you don't know. It's very new. Yeah, it's a newer one. Brand new. It dropped like literally holiday season last year. The only thing you need to know the leads are Amy Garcia and Freddie Prince Jr. Love it. And between the two of them, the whole thing is that they need to create a Christmas song. <laughs> the whole plot is centered around creating a song, just like in musical lyrics. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we should just get into that plot synopsis. Let's do it. Pop superstar Angelina is tired of being told she is irrelevant. So, when she sees a high school student and superfan Christina cover one of her songs, Angelina is inspired to connect with her fans by driving to a small town and making Christina's Christmas birthday wish come true. It doesn't hurt that Christina's father, music teacher Miguel, is a handsome and talented musician. Shenanigans ensue! Let's (laughs) dive right into those tropes, because there's quite a lot of them, actually. Yeah, actually, like, so many. Yeah, a lot. So, we have weather as a plot device, (laughs) the best friend, 
the meddling grandmother. Grandmother. Love a meddling grandmother. So good. The Christmas birthday wish coming true. Yes. Love triangle light. (laughs) Very light. (laughs) I love this because Jane wasn't going to add it to the list because it is quite meh. So I'm just finding out in real time she did in fact add it to the list. (laughs) I did. We have a fake relationship, but not the kind you think. Yeah. Are you appreciating my sass? Yes. As you finding out in real time. <laughs> We've got different worlds. We've got teaching someone how to do something. Covering someone with a blanket. Aw. So cute. We have a fake out kiss. We have falling in love while working with someone on something. We have a sad montage. So sad. And then I left the best for last. Uh, unnecessary soft focus montage soft focus soft focus I've also come to a discovery I think this might need to be built into future mentions of this very specific soft focus unnecessary montage Okay, it's not just unnecessary mm-hmm. I think it's very important that everyone understand that it's the Everything that just happened in the last hour and a half. Soft focus. Montage. Right. Yeah. I think we need to finesse the explanation of that more because (laughs) this movie is a tight hour 30, which we love to see. Love, love. And we get a soft focus. Soft focus. Montage of everything that's just happened with 20 minutes left to go. It takes about 20 minutes for them to even meet. Yeah. There's so much exposition. We are watching a montage of things that happened, what, 20, 30 minutes ago in screen time? Oh, yeah, you're right. What's happening? It's like literally 40 minutes. Yes. Part of me is insulted that you think I forgot about all of that in the last 40 minutes. The other part of me is like, please keep them coming. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. I was gay. And what's so funny to me as well is that this montage was really short. And so my headcanon for this was that the director and the editor were at odds. And this was the compromise that they reached because one of them didn't want it in at all. And the other one wanted to go full on art with it. I'm positive it was the director because I don't think the director did a very good job on this film. But we'll get there later. (laughs) It was so short, that montage. What happened? That's why I'm like, nah, I was the director. The director was like, no. (laughs) Like, everything is restrained. Everything is so restrained. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's not the point of the genre. No. The director wanted to restrain everything and that, I don't know, whatever. Okay. (laughs) So, what trope do you want to talk about? Um, I do not want to cover the fake relationship, (laughs) parentheses, not the kind you think. I want everyone to find that out on their own because I think that that's so cheeky and funny. But I do want to cover the meddling grandmother. I knew that's the one you were going to want to talk about. I love this grandma. <laughs> the meddling grandmother is far superior to the meddling mother. She's great. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. But the grandma 
is so much better as a plot device. And it's a trope I didn't know existed. Right. Honestly. She's technically Freddie Prince Jr.'s meddling mother. Yes. But we have a multi-generational house. It's like she can get away with a lot more in some ways than the meddling mother can. I don't know why. It's so fun. She's literally dead asleep in an armchair at the beginning watching telenovelas. Right. And Freddie walks over to like turn the TV down and she springs awake yeah. and is like, no, so-and-so just came back from the dead. <laughs> like she had been watching without any interruption. Incredible. And she loves a good vodka. Tequila. Was, why did I think it was vodka? 1800 is a very nice tequila. <laughs> I know because I too am a tequila gal. <laughs> because Miguel warns the ladies, he's like, be careful with my mum and don't let her drink past midnight. Right. And the gran immediately whips out a bottle of tequila and she's like, who's thirsty? I love it. And they have a raucous evening. Dead. That was so cute. And she wakes up. Her makeup is must. Like, that's another thing that drove me crazy. Angelina, girl, why are you going to bed every night with makeup all over your face? Mm-mm. A full face. She never washes her face before bed. I don't know what's going on with that. But... <laughs> She woke up with a ton of makeup smeared, which was very funny. And immediately, Miguel knows, oh, she broke out the tequila. Mm-hmm. And then gives her the coffee because yes. he's like, you're going to need this more than me. <laughs> Granny is honestly such an instigator and it's fabulous. Okay, since we're still on Granny, Angelina's boyfriend, Ricardo, is a telenovela star that the abuela watches regularly. He shows up at the house to find Angelina. And obviously the granny is quite starstruck Mm. and she goes over to like say hi. I wish she went a little bit harder on that. I feel like this is another one of those things where granny probably did go harder and the director said no because I think that she did a great job in all the other scenes. And she goes over to say hi to Ricardo Mm. and Ricardo starts insulting her son. Yeah. Granny does not appreciate that. I texted Jazz and I was like, granny's switching telenovelas. Like that. (laughs) That's not her favorite one anymore. App. So lutely. Although at the very end, that cheese is flowing. Both of the aunties knows Ricardo's actually a bad dude. So they're like, I bet he's not even as muscular in real life. And Granny's like, oh no, no, he is. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Love Granny. So good. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about the fake out kiss. Ooh. Because I thought this was a really fun one. This was a really good fake out kiss. Yes. So Angelina and Miguel have been working on the song together and they're having a bit of writer's block and he takes her to like this Christmas tree farm and it's night and there's lights wrapped around every single Christmas tree and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. And the two of them are sitting on a bench and they're sharing like this long lingering look at each other and the music is slowly coming in and then Angelina turns to Miguel and says I've tried to hide this love inside yeah and Miguel's <laughs> eyes go big and he's like wait what what what's happening and Angelina's like no it's the song it's the song no she doesn't even do that she doesn't even register his face no she doesn't not at all she's wrapped up in her excitement yeah she's like oh my gosh that's what the bridge has been missing come on let's get back home let's finish the song (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) like as far as fake out kisses goes that was really good yeah usually a fake out kiss is you know someone interrupts them in this heated moment Mm -hmm. right but this was just she was just trying to finish this damn song (laughs) 
And the line that she says to him just adds to kind of like the awkwardness of the moment. The confusion. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried to hide this love inside. He's like, is this a confession? Am I ready for this? Like, what's happening? <laughs> and she's like, I've tried to hide yes. this love inside. <laughs> and she sings it on the bench. And he's like, oh, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, that's great. And also, <laughs> am I a little bit disappointed? Maybe. But, like, we finished the song, so that's great. All over his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Since we're talking about this whole work business relationship collaboration Mm. I do feel like they went a little heavy maybe at the beginning with some of the exposition but I do feel like they created such a great female lead yeah they did I feel like her motivations are very clear they set us up at the very very beginning I wrote it down as the dead inside industry exposition montage Mm. because (laughs) they very quickly over the course of one intro song and opening credits introduce you to what life is like as a star who has to produce records and how full of anxiety it is and how much pressure there is and all the insecurities that must come with it and how honestly empty it's like very somber she's Mm. clearly lonely and she's not getting anything out of this anymore it's just work yeah heavy it's rough and then they set that all up you start meeting all of the women that she's competing with Mm. in the label Mm mm-hmm And what's so interesting as well is I'm not sure exactly how old Amy Garcia is, but I'm guessing around 30s. So she's still young. Oh, girl. Mm -hmm. Girl, she's significantly older than that, but she looks incredible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Damn. I'm not going to blow up your spot, Amy, but you look (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Okay. I thought 30s, but anyway... She looks phenomenal. So they're playing with that really well too, bringing in these younger up-and-coming superstars that now all of a sudden she is in competition with. Yeah, it's so good. Yes, and the fact that they resolve it somehow in the end, like with this one starlet in particular. Cherry. Cherry, thank you. Where she tells Angelina, I'm actually a huge fan of yours. Yeah. And when Angelina gives up, her spot at SNL for Cherry, which was hers to begin with. And she says, there's enough room for both of us. Like, I don't want to be in competition with you. And I thought that was really lovely. I loved that because at first they set this up and I thought that this was some weird writing problem. I was like, what Gen X or boomer writer is writing all of these Gen Zers as such pricks? They keep saying really awful, shitty things at the beginning. Mm. And then ultimately you come to realize that they weren't written to be malicious. That stuff was written to kind of show the cluelessness of youth. Yeah. And then this coming together at the end, I was just like, wow, way to pass the Bechdel test. with flying colors yes it did it had absolutely nothing to do with the romance yeah i just felt warm and fuzzy for the ladies because that's how i'm trying to live my life too i don't want to fight with you this is hard enough exactly it was beautiful it was honestly so lovely and it passed the Bechtel test with flying colors and it was also two women of color Mm -hmm. it was just really lovely so nice Mm -hmm. sorry to like derail a little bit but I was like I just want to give some attention to the creation of this character she is a workaholic yeah but she makes sense and she's well fleshed out yes absolutely and what was really cool continuing with the tangent of this character is that when 
Angelina and Miguel are sitting and watching the rehearsals for Christina's Kinsa. And Miguel was talking about how he played one of her first records over and over and over again. Yeah. And Angelina asked, oh, that's a really old record. What about a more recent one? I think that that's like her debut record. Yeah. And he's like, mm, that's a bit too dancey for my taste. But like that first record, I loved it. So it also makes sense that she's going back to something that's a little bit more mellow, a little bit emotional. So that's like built into who the character is. It's not out of left field. She's going back to a time where she was actually excited about what she was writing and what she was producing. So it's like quite nice. Mm. And the song that Christina covers as well is a more emotional ballad kind of thing as opposed to pop or dance heavy yeah i think it must be the song that she wrote when her mother passed yes they essentially trauma bond in that way yeah. so she's singing the my mother also passed song oh. <laughs> sorry i'm not laughing because it's funny i'm laughing because i get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i know any other of the tropes that you want to flesh out particularly? Um, it's not that important, but... Everything's important. I love weird <laughs> plot devices and weather as a plot device is so funny. <laughs> I love it. It's ridiculous, but it's one of those plot devices that just work. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. It's not even <laughs> snowing all that heavy. It's not like windy. No. It's just like casual snow and they drove out in an SUV. Like they can very easily get themselves back into the city. I'm dying. And they're stuck out there in the suburbs with these people. No, you're not. It's so funny. And I was like, you drove to their house in any case. Also just like, girl, who told you to wear stilettos if it's going to snow? At the very least, you got to put on a wedge. She didn't even change from the photo shoot that didn't end up happening. Like She just went straight. I mean, I get that. Had a meltdown. She had a meltdown and immediately got in a car. (laughs) But she didn't have like boots to change into or something. No, she just drove away. (laughs) And I think, honestly, my headcanon is that the clothes she came in with that are winter appropriate, she left in the studio. Yes, had to be. Yeah. And I also wish that there were more comedy around her weird clothing. Yeah. Okay, so she doesn't have winter boots. But girl, you have shoe bags to walk in so your shoes don't get snow and salt on them? Nah. No. You just have those in your purse? (laughs) So funny. So funny. With the weather as a plot device, though, what I did kind of appreciate was that mm-hmm. as they were driving to the school, it started to snow already. But then we needed the snowstorm to be so much worse. We needed like howling, raging winds and yeah, snow banks. Maybe they were doing that. It was just fine. So that everyone could see like... She doesn't actually need to stay here. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's contrived on purpose. (laughs) I don't know. I'll give them the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. (laughs) But yeah, the weather is a plot device. It's so cheesy, but it's so fun. Like, I just, I'm always tickled by it. Yeah. (laughs) Did you want to talk about any more of the... Uh, The teaching someone how to do something. (laughs) So... That's one of my favorite tropes. I love that trope. It's so cute. And especially how they did it in this movie as well. Miguel is teaching Angelina how to make tamales. And she's doing it completely wrong. Okay, girl. Wait, have you ever seen the movie Ghost? Yes. To everyone listening. Are you thinking the pottery scene? It is 100% the pottery scene with Masa. And I was crying. They're mushing their hands in the masa and granny's watching it's like way too intimate 
so funny. It's so messy. <laughs> the daughter's there. I'm dead. Mo is there. It's it's literally the pottery scene from Ghost, except tamales. <laughs> Why I like this trope is because it's so unique to the rom-com genre. This will never happen in real life. Like, there's no need for you to be intimately squishing your hands together in masa, like leaning <laughs> over each other. Making eyes at one another <laughs> just... while everyone's sitting around the well-lit <laughs> table. Never, I'm dead. It's never going to happen. Like, it exists purely here. And I love it. It's like, Mwah, give me more. So stupid. I, I love it. Dead. <laughs> Granny is also chewing the scenery in that scene. She oh, like yes. honestly kind of steals the show, staring at them. Very funny. Especially because Angelina comes in like hot and she's like, we have to finish the song. And the granny's like, you don't have time to make tamales. We need an extra pair of hands. What you don't eat? And Angelina's like, I, I guess, I guess we're making tamales before we continue. Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, you know, food can sometimes spark inspiration. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was something that I got really irritated with though during the film was her 90s style relationship to food. Like, yes, we're a pop star. We're dieting all the time and there's an event. So now we're doing the quote lettuce diet, but either make it significantly more extreme and punch up the funny so Mm. we know it's absurdist or just leave it out. Like it was just kind of uncomfortable to be honest. Her food avoidance? Yeah. Ugh. At least with that, all the other characters, Mo included, is not supportive of this at all. And in fact, he's her about avoiding food. Like Miguel also says, well, you're welcome in my kitchen anytime if you ever want to eat something other than beans. Yeah. So at least all the other characters are not in support of it. But that's why I'm like, if what you want to do is make it a joke, make her more absurd. Don't make her so realistic. Like that's a real person, the salad and the beans you know yeah. if you're gonna have everyone kind of shame her make her insane about it in a funny way mm. because people act like that in real life and people don't say anything in real life yeah that was one of the things that like i got really frustrated with it's not enough you haven't proven to the audience that we're not supporting this enough in my opinion mm. or like made it funny enough to actually be a joke and not just kind of sad i don't know i found the bouquet <laughs> of celery really funny the bouquet of celery is really funny that was one of the funny versions of it but even just the joke around the salads like oh girl the transition from arugula to spring mix is Mm. and I was like that's not enough of a joke (laughs) (laughs) this is what I mean when I say that I think that the director was trying to make it a little too grounded and this is not the time or genre for that Any other tropes? I think I'm good on the tropes. Yeah, I feel like this is a good transition anyway to the shenanigans because so much of the shenanigans are what make up this film. Yes. Yeah, so I hit a couple of them already. It's hard not to (laughs) with this. And I think with this movie, a lot of it is restrained. And so I think there are a lot more tropes than shenanigans Interesting. in this movie. Or the shenanigans are more tied up in the tropes. Well, that's just what I found when I was prepping the episode. No, that makes sense. I was kind of struggling to think of individual shenanigans. I found it easier to write down tropes as opposed to like very obvious shenanigans yeah no that makes sense that makes me feel better about like wanting to go on so many tangents while we were doing the tropes because it's hard not to (laughs) in the context of this one no i agree 
One of the shenanigans that I thought was a really fun, was it a threefer? I feel like there was one more and I'm not remembering it, but the music producer at the label is very clearly pitting these women against one another. Yeah. It's super gross. Manages to play it very funny though. The actor does a great job. Mm. And so Angelina is supposed to do the cover shoot of this magazine. She's in costume. She's in full hair and makeup. She's ready to go right now. The producer shows up with Cherry. Amy Garcia's character, Angelina, says, wait, what's going on? And the producer says, I'm giving the cover to her. This would never actually happen. This is crazy. Yeah. She says, what do you mean? That's my cover. And he's like, it's already done. Yeah. And he says that again later when Cherry's supposed to be going on SNL and she's Mm -hmm. very excited. And then... This song is such a success that... Barry gives Cherry's spot on SNL to Angelina. In real time, at the Christmas ceremony that she's released the song at, he again says to her, it's already done. It's just a fun little callback. Mm. So when she does give Cherry the SNL slot back so she can go to the quince instead, it's actually like very satisfying and comes all together. But yeah, you're right. It's absolutely unheard of. I mean, hair and makeup alone takes how long you're getting to the shoot how early and he comes and tells Angelina right before she's literally getting in front of the camera that nope she's out yeah I'm like my guy you had how long to do this the only way I could ever see that happening like there is a world where maybe somebody would do that but Cherry would have had to be in hair and makeup that morning too so he would have known before they started yeah. that he was going to do that and this is literally just abuse mm-hmm. he's truly terrible yeah but he manages to play him in a way that somehow still like charming kind of yeah i thought that was really well acted considering how shitty of a character it was yes and then when she hangs up on him at the end i was kind of like "Ooh, there it is there's the snap yeah no one hangs up on barry i hang up on people or something to that effect and he's yelling into a hung up phone no one's listening (laughs) (laughs) psycho (laughs) another shenanigan i want to touch on is ricardo who is just filming everything that was a really fun setup for that character like you get who he is immediately when he comes bursting into the studio with someone running after him with a ring light yes (laughs) this is another one of those ones where i think the director really screwed us all over because this is essentially the same as following for christmas with Lindsay lohan like the same overly involved Mm. online dude but that one's so much funnier. Yes. They, like, didn't let Ricardo go in enough. It needed to be so much bigger. Ricardo could have gone all the way in. It's a really fun setup. He's a telenovela star. Yes. Give me Esteban from yes. Jane the Virgin. 100%. It needed to be Esteban from Jane the Virgin. Give me full on, over the top, that level of self-involved and indulgent. And that's why over and over and over again, I think the director told them to pull back and Mm. that was the wrong call, dude. That sucks. This is not the genre for subtlety. You can have (laughs) moments of nuance, but like, there's nothing nuanced about a snowstorm keeping you from going back to the city. A snowstorm not keeping you going back to the city and you stay anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Writing a Christmas song just before Christmas, which is in and of itself also wild yes what's happening right she's like supposed to write the song and perform it over the course of 10 days it happens pretty quickly wild if you want to drop something before christmas that shit needs to be done for 
ever ago. Even something as simple as, like, one of my favorite moments in the entire film, because I love when this happens ever, is a slow motion entrance to techno music. Oh, yes. When Angelina shows up at the high school to make this wish come true, and she's there with Monique, her manager, mm-hmm. they walk into the high school, and it's all in slow motion, which is already delightful and funny. But what they missed is, you all know high schoolers, right? Yes. High schoolers, when they meet a celebrity, are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. None of the kids in this slow motion freaked out appropriately. That could have heightened the comedy of that scene in and of itself. And the director, like, didn't let it happen or directed wrong in my opinion a kid should have been looking at them and slammed into a desk a kid should have thrown their shit in the air and had papers flying thrown up into a trash bag yeah start hyperventilating and (laughs) dropping all their books that's what i'm saying and that should have happened in the background while these two are perfectly poised that would have made this not just a funny slow-mo but an excellent slow-mo for the genre and that's why every step of the way i'm like why didn't you do just a little extra extra yeah where is it where's my extra <laughs> i want extra cheese i always want extra cheese jane <laughs> extra please so mad if i'm watching a rom-com and i don't regularly say that's so stupid and love it that's too much um, i want to be saying that with a big smile on my face yeah 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 i want to be saying that's so over the top <laughs> with a massive smile on my face a big cheesy grin yes. i want to say that's dumb <laughs> Over and over. So yeah, I just... I didn't look it up because I don't want to hold a grudge. So I haven't looked up the director. But I feel like there were a lot of missed opportunities for more cheese. Mm, mm-hmm. That's the only thing I'm here for. <laughs> okay, I have two actor shenanigans. Ooh, okay. So I just want to shout out first Freddie Prince Jr., for being really good at playing a dorky fan dad. Yeah. Like, he was doing really great, bewildered, starstruck looks. And sometimes I'm just like, Freddy, you're a very famous actor. He's literally Angelina. And he's, like, pulling off being just confused and awe, yeah. entranced really well. So that was very impressive. He was being so chill. Yeah, it was so good. Like when in the principal's office, when Angelina arrives at the school, someone says, oh, you saw the video. And Angelina says, yeah, and I loved it. And Freddie's like, you did? Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It was like so genuine. My kid? Yeah. (laughs) And the other character slash actor shout out is for Monique, who is played by Zenzi Williams. Holy love her she's so good so fun she was amazing someone needs to give her her own rom-com because she understands the genre perfectly she She was playing everything exactly as hammy as you needed it while still being not the center of attention side eye look that's perfect that's what we need yes Yes. even when she's in the background you can see her reacting to what's happening Mm -hmm. she was just fabulous pitch perfect so good including the opening line we had was from her (laughs) she's like the song or the music teacher yes <laughs> just sprinkling her little jabs throughout the so being good. a really great friend queen <laughs> something else i think they did pretty well on this film 
was the family's relationship between Uh, the daughter, the dad, and the granny. Very sweet. I thought they did a lovely job. Yeah, I agree. And then with the rest of the family as well, like the tias. The aunties. (laughs) Oh, my God. So good. (laughs) When Angelina shows up at the quince rehearsal and they start screaming, I was like, ooh, that's every family get-together. Yes. That sounded like my aunties. Same. Fully. That was fabulous and Miguel <laughs> knew it was coming he's like oh. you just like brace for the scream yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the father-daughter relationship was also so sweet it was so good yes when Christina's phone is dead and they're walking down the hall she's like quiet or whatever and Miguel is like is everything okay and she's like oh yeah it's fine it just needs to charge a little bit more and he's like not the phone we're talking about you <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. At some point, the daughter says, you know, dad, you can bring a plus one to my quince. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, I'll help you make a bumble. You're too old for Tinder. And I was like, girl, that's a hate crime. You can't say that to your elders. That's so rude. Wow. I feel like you're coming for me. Ooh. Hardly. When they were talking about Christina having a crush, and he's like, crush? Crush? Do you know what a crush is? What do you know about crushes? She's like, I'm turning 15. (laughs) Speaking of, this was a shenanigan. Yes. You know where this is going. I know where you're going. Speaking of crushes, Christina has a crush on this guy at a school, and the friend's like, just invite him to your party you need a date or something she's like no i don't speak to him and so like they establish that they're not friends christina and this guy but michael has a framed photograph of him in her bedroom framed we're in the year 2022 that takes commitment and so i was thinking to myself (laughs) okay sure i used to do weird psycho things like that with crushes (laughs) that i wasn't close enough with you know what i mean like write their name in your notebooks and stuff like that but jane is absolutely right where did she find a printer for photos you know how much effort it takes to go print a photo these days and i love a printed framed photograph but it's not easily accessible exactly but this is another perfect example of the writers not knowing what the hell Gen Z is even doing? (laughs) Did they not talk to any high schoolers? If you don't know how to write for a high schooler and you don't know what the world is like now, you gotta go talk to Mm -hmm. some high schoolers. Like it would have been more believable and still teenage crazy behavior to have him as her screensaver on her phone or something. 100%. That's more current. That could have actually been the one. I'm not even a teenager. I still feel like the screensaver though was hella risky because someone could see that and tell them. But like, definitely. (laughs) That that kind of behavior, you know. Something digital, gang. Oh, the screensaver on her computer at home. Yes. I would do that. Yeah, something like that. 100%. Something Digital babes. (sighs) Digital. Anything else? Okay, yes. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) This is so shady and I don't care. You cannot write an entire film about a pop superstar (laughs) writing a Christmas song and then have other Christmas songs in the background of this film slap harder than hers. Her song was not good enough. It wasn't. The song was such a disappointment, especially because the next song that played went so much harder than the original Christmas song. And it's not a well-known song. We're not talking 
about the greatest hits of pop Christmas music. Like, I didn't know any of them, but I was vibing to all of them more than I was to the song that this movie's about. Yeah, the one that's supposed to hit the number one single. Yeah. Nah, that Latin beat needed to hit harder. Mm-hmm. I needed her to start dancing on that damn stage. Like, I needed some salsa. That was not enough. I kid you not, I, I promptly forgot the song. And then when it played again at the end, I was like, oh, right, this is the song. And now I still can't get the melody. Yeah. There won't be a Christmas without you or something. And that was a spoke sing. It wasn't even a sing sing. And you know I like to sing sing. Yeah, I don't remember the ending either. I'll sing sing about rubbish. <laughs> like made up shit. <laughs> oh, oh, so there will be a Christmas without you. Mm, I think that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I try to hide. It's not good enough. love inside. Like, it just, we needed more. Like everything else. Oh, more. More. Give me, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> I guess the final one, because I want to say it before we go, is the evolution of different costuming was also very, very funny in this. Oh, yes. Very good. Very well done. Angelina starts in her fancy outfit. She gets there. She adds a new top because she's there for an extra day. She needs something to wear. And then by the third day staying there, she's like borrowing clothes from granny or yes. whatever. And she's got an ugly sweater. Yes. Love the ugly sweater. But then we loop back around to the gala at the end that emerald dress girl damn can i have one of those beautiful Ooh. stunning like we say that about a lot of looks yes but damn this dress gorgeous like i'm actually gonna go try to find one or i'm just gonna make one yes do it <laughs> i want it that bad it's so good okay i mean then you get freddie prince jr in a tux and he looks great. Oh, he does. Because he's a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he not? Because he's been a heartthrob for yes. decades. And Angelina is understandably entranced by seeing him in a tux. I mean, I still think she looks so much better than everyone else. Oh, obviously. In that whole movie. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still stuck on this dress. She's stunning. <laughs> that dress is gorgeous. She's ready for open heart surgery in that dress. And she looks absolutely amazing. Oh my God, I'm dead. That's so funny. <laughs> That is a deep V. The very deep V. I couldn't pull that V off because it would be highly indecent. (laughs) So I was like, I can't actually pull off Vs like that, but I don't know. I'm going to find something like that for me. Make it work. (laughs) So good. I think that's everything Mm. that I wanted to talk about. All right. So that brings us to... Fun Fab Fail. Fun Fab Fail. So I think that we probably have differing opinions on this one. Yeah, we do. My primary motivator for my rating on this film is that there just simply wasn't enough of anything. Mm. Like the light ribbings and shady shadiness that I just had fun doing with you, Jane, over the last like 45 minutes is more fun than I had watching the movie. (laughs) And so for me, this is a fine. I just... You needed more. I want more of everything. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah. So this movie for me is a fun with the asterisk. Yeah. And the asterisk is under the right Christmas related circumstances. So how I came about this movie was I watched it last year and I think it was 10 days or two weeks before Christmas. We were visiting family. And so there were people baking in the background and their children were going, Auntie Jane, Auntie Jane. And these cousins were talking and there were a million distractions. There was so much happening. And I really enjoyed the movie then. And I thought, ooh, I really want to watch this movie again. And I think I'm going to save it for the pod because I feel like this movie deserves my full undivided attention. Right. And in fact... 
it was better that it didn't have your full undivided attention. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to say it quite like that. I mean, that's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But I was phrasing it in a different way. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> the circumstances under which I watched the movie the first time were the correct ones. This was a movie to have on while you engaged in other kinds of Christmas cheer. Yes. Watching it on its own, and I know we are doing it in the middle of July, but as Jazz said, it just needed to go harder. Like, it needed an injection of cheese and energy, but it's still a perfectly lovely movie. It was too grounded, yeah. but I don't think that they hit enough of the sweetness quotient mm. to even have chosen that route as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It needed to make a choice. It plays as if it's really, really sweet, yes. but it's not nearly as sweet as even The Tourist Guide to Love. Yeah, but it's still a perfectly lovely movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would watch it for Christmas. I'd highly recommend having it on in the background while you're baking cookies. It's whimsical. It's a good time. Love the two leads. Monique is also fantastic. Like, there's a lot going for this movie, but yeah, we just need a, like, a little more from it. So yeah, if you're like me and you like to say, that's so stupid at a campy movie, <laughs> then this is maybe not going to be fun enough. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. No, not by any means. Just for clarity, because I know that I'm coming off as a shady, shady <laughs> bee right now. But it's not bad. I just want more of everything. Yes, because we're greedy and we like cheese. I am greedy. Just give us more. But still watch it. For Christmas, absolutely. Yes, not randomly like we did in July. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what that means. I do. So excited. I'm literally so excited. Give, Give me the, the cheese, please. please. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling prepared. Me too. Okay. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. one. American Unfried string cheese. Curds. Ah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> this is almost the same cheese. Yeah, very, very, very close. Circling circling the same territory. Perfect. Since we had a guest last, mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters who goes first. No. Okay, I'll go right in there because that's relevant to what I literally just said. I got my unfried cheese curds. Yes. So if you're not familiar with cheese curds... They are like little white cheese pieces that have been shredded kind of. It's almost like a ricotta except firmer. And then we use those cheese curds here in America to batter and then fry. And then you get fried cheese curds, which is so decadent. Mm. If I hit a bar and that's on the bar menu, I am 100% getting those damn cheese curds. I love a cheese curd. Except these are the unfried ones. (laughs) I still enjoyed the chew. You know, Mm -hmm. you bite into one of these cheese curds and one of their defining characteristics is their little squeaky, which is not necessarily pleasant, but you still kind of love it. And then you eat them and they're still like cheesy cheese. But I know the full potential of a Mm. cheese curd. So these unfried bites are kind of disappointing. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Especially because, you know, the elevated level that it has the potential to be. Exactly. Because I am a fan of Amy Garcia and Freddie Prince Jr. so fantastic. I just feel like this could have been better Mm -hmm. and i feel let down by the unfried nature of this film (laughs) and so that for me is why this is an unfried cheese curd delightful (laughs) so i have american string cheese 
for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is quite a popular snack. <laughs> it's essentially a stick of mozzarella and it's packaged up. But what makes it not just like a stick of mozzarella is the way it's prepared. So you eat it by kind of like pulling at it unless you're crazy and take a full bite on, which I have seen people do. Ah, <gasps> uh, no. This defeats the whole point. Who does that? I've seen it happen. Oh my gosh, those people are murderers. <laughs> Like, they're actually psychopaths. Like, they're actually unhinged. It was like watching someone take a bite out of a Kit Kat, ah. but, like, not breaking it into the individual fingers. Ah, like just... Why would you do that? <laughs> it's equivalent to that. That visceral feeling yeah. that Jasmine is having right now. Like, for those of you who've never had string cheese, like, that's the equivalent. And so, with string cheese, the fun is in the way you eat the cheese you might not know this jane but it's like a children's lunchbox staple oh okay yes it's not particularly exciting the cheese itself if you've listened to this podcast for a while you know my feelings on unmelted mozzarella yeah with this meh yeah in in a word (laughs) meh (laughs) the fun in this movie is a lot to do with watching it under the right circumstances. And that's what makes it fun. Like the same with string cheese. Eating unmelted mozzarella like this, the fun is in the fact that it's stringy and you pull the strings and it's like kind of an activity. Yeah. As a kid, I don't know why this was such a thing, but you would try to pull off an even string piece. Like as you pull it, it tends to get skinnier and skinnier Mm. and like a game to try to get the string piece all the way to the end evenly. It's like an event. It's an activity. (laughs) (laughs) Which detracts from the fact that you're just eating mozzarella, which on its own with nothing done to it is not all that exciting. (laughs) And so while the this movie can be a romp. We just needed a little bit more from it, you know? Yeah. But it's not bad. That makes so much sense. I loved that. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I loved yours too. <laughs> the disappointment of something that could be fried <laughs> when it's not. Yeah. Like, why? I still eat them, yeah. but it's just like sad. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of French fries versus boiled potatoes. Oh, yeah. You'll eat the potatoes, but honestly, like, I wouldn't even eat those. Oh, uh, well, potatoes with like some parsley and some butter. You wouldn't eat those at that point. I just want more butter and cream and mash it. <laughs> not just not the boiled, Jane. No, <laughs> it's so dull. That's a perfect is out. The untapped potential of that potato would just be too depressing. <laughs> You'll settle with mash. I'll settle for a mash. How would the order go for Ooh. you? So like French fries, obviously king. Mm-hmm. And then what? No, for me, actually, tater tots are king. Oh, uh, you see, I didn't grow up in America. And so I tried tater tots as a fully fledged adult. And it was like, eh, fair. I think you need some nostalgia with tater tots. So I like the crunch. I like crunchy crunch. So mm. I go tater tots, then hash browns, then a French fry. Uh, and then what? A roast potato? It depends on the French fry too, by the way. So so I would do a shoestring fry. Oh, love a shoestring fry. Yeah. And then I would go down to like the sliced guys with cheesies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like a mash maybe at that point. And then like a baked potato if it's fully loaded. 
loaded, and then a steak fry. Oh, the steak fry. Like, I put a steak fry at the bottom. For me, let me see. Uh, I agree with you. Shoestring fries at the top. Phenomenal. Then a regular French fry. Then I'm going with a roast potato the way I do them, like in the duck fat. Ooh. Like when you parboil them and you roast them in duck fat. Ooh. Then I will have slop chips. What's that? It's a South African way of making chips. You basically eat them with fish and chips mm-hmm. and they're perfect for chip rolls. Ooh. Iconic. And then I kind of combine the hash browns and tater tots because those were things I tried as an adult when I was living in America and they're good, but it's not like peak for me. And then I'll do a mash and then I'll do a fully loaded baked potato. And then right at the bottom is the boiled potatoes with butter and parsley. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'll eat it, but why is it here? There were so many other things you could have done. See, that's one of those prime examples for me of the calories aren't worth it. I'll go have some cookies. (laughs) Like this potato is so sad. I'm going to eat calories somewhere else. That's how I feel about <laughs> cream and soup. Mm. I'm like, it's not worth the calories for me. It's not. Put in a potato. I agree like with that. some coconut milk. Don't waste cream and soup. Are you kidding me? Pointless. Like, then I'd rather eat a donut with cream. Thank like, you. Uh, Why? You get it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this could be like its own little mini five minute episode. I'm like, I know. Jasmine and Jane rank potatoes. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there you have it. That was our discussion. That was our discussion of Christmas with you. Let us know your thoughts on the movie. Any shenanigans we may have missed or what cheese you think it is. You can follow us on Instagram at shenanigansinsuepod or you can email us at shenanigansinsuepod at gmail.com. And just so everybody knows, this is our pen ultimate episode for season one of yeah. Shenanigans in Sue. Yeah. Ah, what? Can't believe it. A whole season. <laughs> yes, I actually can't believe it. We'll have one more episode after this one on the 2nd of August, and then we'll be on hiatus. Yes, but... Don't worry, we won't be gone for too long. And you still have one more episode of Shenanigans. Yes. So, we hope you'll join us next time. And until then, what's, what's in, in your heart, heart is simple. simple. You, you just, just need to, to follow, follow it. it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, man, so much fun. This film is like the potato. Oh, <laughs> there's so much potential. The untapped potential. It's like, I'll have the mash, but like, give me your French fry. Yeah. I'm crying out loud. No, the boiled potato was a step too far. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to that. <laughs>